This is episode 309 with certified running coach, world marathon majors, six-star medal holder, and an absolutely prolific product tester, Ashley Mateo. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the goal of this show, strengthrunning.com, and our YouTube channel is to help you better understand the process of improvement. Because when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. If you're new here, welcome. I'm the head coach of Strength Running, formerly a 239 marathoner, and a monthly columnist for Trail Runner Magazine. On this podcast, I share my insights on the sport and speak with the world's smartest subject matter experts to help you improve. I'm happy to connect anytime, so feel free to email me or send me a message on Instagram or YouTube. Now, I want to thank our partners who support the show. They're offering you some great discounts, which I hope you'll take advantage of. First is our newest sponsor, BetterHelp. You know, I've been speaking a little bit more openly recently about some of my own mental health struggles, especially last year as I went through a divorce. Now, if you're struggling with any kind of mental health issue right now, it's definitely impacting your running. And I want you to be as healthy as possible, both physically and mentally. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. You can message your therapist at any time, and you can schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. I am still going to therapy every week myself, and I just find it to be an invaluable tool at helping me be more mindful, clear on my goals and boundaries, and more psychologically healthy as I navigate the ups and downs of life. Improve your mindset and make running more manageable with BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Jason F. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Jason F for 10% off your first month. Next is the best in class greens superfood mix, AG1. I try to have one serving of AG1 daily because it's my one-stop shop for probiotics, vitamins and minerals, greens, prebiotics, and whole food sourced micronutrients. There's also things like ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that helps you handle stress in a more productive way. AG1 helps support gut health, the immune system, and it provides a nice shot of energy. It's recommended by professional athletes, and it has over 7,000 positive reviews. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system, and do so conveniently with one scoop of AG1. They're making it easy for you by giving you a free one-year supply of immune system-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com Jason, and you can pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's drinkag1.com slash Jason to claim your free goodies. All right, my guest today is someone whose name I know you've seen before. Ashley Mateo has written for every media outlet that exists, I think, including the Wall Street Journal, Runner's World, CNN, Women's Running, Time, Men's Health, Glamour, Esquire, Teen Vogue, Sports Illustrated. Oh my God, I'm almost out of breath. <laughs> That's not even half of the major media Ashley has written for. She has also finished all six of the world marathon majors and holds that coveted six-star medal. Ashley is a certified running coach and publishes one of my favorite running newsletters, The Rundown, which is available on Substack. In this episode, we discuss her job as a product tester. Ashley has reviewed nearly every type of product that you can imagine, from smartwatches to smart rings, shoes, apparel, recovery tools, and everything in between. Today, we're doing a deep dive on the product review process, how to think more critically about reviews, her favorite products to test, and her favorite gadget, how to choose your next smartwatch, and more. By the way, I'm planning on doing more product reviews myself from a coach's perspective on our YouTube channel. I'll be speaking more about how you can better use different types of gear as tools to aid your improvement. Make sure you're subscribed at youtube.com strengthrunning. And now without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ashley Mateo. All right, Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here because we've been, 
I don't know, talking uh, for a while, but now is the first time that we'll actually have a, a podcast formal conversation. We're um, both independently employed, and so we meet for a lot of work dates, which is really fun. Yeah. I mean, we go way back, right? I've interviewed for story you for stories since like, I don't know, 2018, probably. I think you're right. I actually have a very specific memory of sitting in a lawn chair in my old backyard talking to you about like tempo runs or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is going to be, you know, published in some fancy uh, news outlet. But you are primarily a writer. I would call you, you know, a, a really wonderful freelance writer. Um, but I, I kind of want to know a little bit more just about your background with the sport, because I know that in the last, you know, maybe five to 10 years or so, you've really fallen in love with running. And, and I want to hear about that. Yeah. I started running in what, 2015. Cause I did, you know, the dumb thing, which was agreeing to race a half Ironman, never having run, swam or biked competitively before. So, you know, go big or go home. Right. I feel like you have to start with something that scares you a little bit. And I honestly thought that running was going to be the thing I liked least of all of that. And it turned out to be swimming. Swimming is terrible, but running stuck and I kept doing it. I signed up for a marathon after that. And here we are. What is that? Almost like what? Eight years later? Yeah, eight years. And I don't think you're alone in not liking the swim portion of the triathlon because for most runners, we're like, okay, I got the run down, the bike I can obviously, you know, get through, but the swim is a very alien form of exercise for most of us. And I remember when I got into triathlon for like a season, basically, <laughs> I was decent at the bike, pretty good at the run, but I was so bad at the swim that it was something I just didn't really even want to tell people about. Like it was so embarrassing. I just sink like a rock, like a lot of runners, but <laughs> It just goes to show that there, there's always something that we could be working on. Um, so Ashley, the big topic of our conversation today is all of these product reviews that you do, and you do, you are sort of prolific when it comes to testing and writing about and reviewing all kinds of different products in the running space, um, because you review pretty much everything there is from watches to those fancy wearable rings to gear and apparel and running shoes and everything in between. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, the types of, of products that you write about. Is it really anything or do you focus on something particular? Yeah. I mean, I think the common thread is running, right? If it helps running or if it is related to running, I'm interested in it. I think there's a part of me that is constantly looking for things to make running feel easier. So that could be from a feeling standpoint of shoes that make running feel easier or a data standpoint. You know, if you know this data about yourself, you can kind of hack the process. I don't think that those things are real. I don't think shoes actually make you feel better or rings can, you know, help you totally hack your training into something that will turn you into Kipchoge overnight. But I think the learning process around them is really interesting. And so for me, when I'm testing this kind of stuff, it just keeps me open-minded to learning about myself and, and the gear, but mostly about myself and my own running. So are you saying that testing products and just sort of experimenting with all of these interesting new things that are available now it's more of like a learning opportunity for you to, to figure out more about yourself as a runner. Yeah, I do think that. I think, you know, let's, let's talk about shoes for just a second. I mean, shoes are so subjective, right? I personally love maximally cushioned carbon plated shoes. I think they make me feel better. There are other runners who may not feel that way, but wearing them, we can both learn something about how we run, Right. I like wearing them for long runs because they make my lower legs feel less beat up. Somebody else might be like, oh no, I am a minimalist shoe person. I need something that's like a flat racer. I want to feel the ground. I'm like, that's great. When you figure that out for yourself, that can help you be a better runner. Yeah. It's like that figuring out process is, is like the most important thing, not necessarily the shoes that you've found, but 
the whole process to get to that pair of shoes is really interesting to me. And, you know, I, I just interviewed uh, a physical therapist, Matt Klein, on the podcast, basically all about how to choose running shoes. And it's so interesting how subjective it is because different people are shaped differently and want to run in different types of shoes for different purposes. And so, you know, the process by which you find the, uh, the perfect pair of shoes for yourself, you're going to have to make a bunch of mistakes. And, and I think within that process of making mistakes is where the magic happens, where you get to know more about yourself as, uh, as a runner. Um, do you have a favorite type of product to review? Is there something that you're always super excited to test or are you pretty agnostic when it comes to that? Um, I think I am very interested in the tech. I really like the wearable industry. I think there's so many really cool things happening within both the tech and science sides of that industry. So I just, I recently reported on um, a trend of wearable rings that are, or fitness tracking rings. And I feel like there is a lot of interesting stuff happening in wearable sensors or patches. And so that's something that I've been exploring a little bit more recently. I'm sure I go through phases. I mean, I also love, I love testing any kind of apparel or shoes, things that make me feel good when I'm running, like feel good, look good. Obviously I love sunglasses. You know that. Um, but I do think <laughs> you sure do. I really do. Um, I think that the tech and science aspects of the wearable industry are really interesting to me because they affect you on so many levels. And this is maybe not what they're intended to do, but I think the mental health side of using those devices is really interesting to me. So I'm always intrigued and, you know, can I use these and get that information without detrimentally affecting my mental health and becoming obsessive with all that data? So that's kind of my like go-to area. That's the million dollar question, right? Like how do you get involved with these devices that give you a massive amount of data without going overboard and overanalyzing all of that data? So, you know, I actually just got a, uh, a smart scale. And so it tells me my weight, but it tells me pretty much everything else that I might want to know, like how much bone mass I have, how much of my body mass is is lean tissue versus fat. And, and there's like 20 other metrics. And I could probably sit there for an hour every day comparing and graphing and going deep on these metrics. But number one, I don't think it would actually be helpful for me. And number two, it probably would lead to some real disordered thinking about my body and my weight and, and all that. So I'm, I'm just very careful about that. Do you have any strategies for surrounding yourself with this data without becoming obsessed with it? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is paying attention to trends over single data points, right? So any health expert will tell you that a single data point is really not indicative of much. So let's say I woke up this morning and my resting heart rate was 20 beats per minute higher than normal that really doesn't mean anything if it's not a continued trend. If it's a continued trend that my heart rate is getting higher every morning when I wake up, that might mean maybe I have an infection. Maybe I am getting sick. Maybe I'm overtraining, whatever. But that one day, I think you have to look at the context around it, right? So did I have a drink last night? Did I sleep at elevation last night? Am I under stress at work? So I think a really important thing to remember about these devices is they are not diagnostic in any way, right? They're literally just recording data. They're not telling you something is wrong with you. So when you use them, you can't take them as like gospel. You need to also manually track whatever it is you're doing. I think Whoop does that kind of well. Whoop is a little intense for average users, I think, because there's so much information in there. But what they did was put a journal within the app. So every day you can log your behaviors and then you can see how those behaviors coincide with your data points. And that I think is really informative. Otherwise, I think it's just like paying attention to your trends. Is your fitness, your training status, your whatever on an upwards trend or a downwards trend? That's something to pay attention to. Do you have an outlier in your data one day of 
you know, something going wonky, that's not a big deal. This totally reminds me of coaching because, you know, if a runner comes to me and they're like, oh, I ran, you know, 70 miles last week, I might be impressed. But then if I peek under the hood and I realize this person's actually been running 40 miles a week for, you know, six months, they're very consistent. And then they somehow just put together this one huge week of mileage that to me is like, okay, no, 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 this is not a trend. This is a flash in the pan, one time thing. You know, what's better than a 70 mile week is eight 70 mile weeks stacked on top of each other. It's the consistency over time that I really like seeing. And so it's interesting comparing how you analyze some of these metrics um, and, and how that really relates to the actual like training side of running too. Do you think that any of those fancy rings that track different health metrics, do you think those are at all different than, you know, a good smartwatch or or otherwise, another way I can ask this question is why would a runner want a ring and a smartwatch as opposed to just, you know, their typical GPS watch, which might have a heart rate sensor in it anyway? Yeah. So the rings are really new. From a data tracking standpoint, I think they're about as accurate as a watch, but I think the usage case for them is different. So I love my running watch. I wear it during every workout. I used to wear it 24 seven. Now I've been wearing, so I tested a whole bunch of the rings. I think Aura is still the best. So Aura has been around since 2015 and then in this past year or so, there've been a bunch announced and that are either out or coming. A couple are coming this fall, I think. But I would say that Aura is the most studied and probably the most recommended at this point. I personally love it. So like, I'm not wearing my watch right now. You can still see the tan line. Um, but I do wear the ring 24-7 because the ring has just a very easy interface where I can see how did I sleep and how ready am I for the day. And if you want to go into the like nitty gritty of that data, you can. But I found that taking the watch off sort of separated me from the data a little bit. And because the ring doesn't have any kind of face to it, I'm not thinking about the numbers all day. It also, um, this was a kind of surprising thing I found when wearing the Aura. I walk a lot more now throughout the day because it automatically tracks that kind of exercise. And so it will show me at the end of the day or after an activity like, Hey, like we recognized this as a workout. Like, what were you doing? And I'll be like, oh, I walked for 18 minutes because I walked to the grocery store to get snacks and then I walked home. And there's so much research out there that shows walking consistently throughout the day. Even if you exercise for an hour, you know, an hour of aerobic activity, if you don't move consistently through the rest of the day, you're kind of undermining the metabolic effects of those workouts. So, Having this on has been kind of a reminder to just keep moving consistently in a way that my watch, which, which which was designated for workouts in my head, really never did for me. I really like the aspect of this that doesn't show you the data constantly. So you can check in when it's convenient for you, when you know, you're in a, a good uh, mental place and all that, instead of just constantly being bombarded with this data sort of lighting up on your wrist all the time. And I don't know if it's just me getting a little bit older, but I've been going on more walks lately too. And, and I found that I really like it. I just feel like it's just an extra, almost like mini workout later in the day that makes me feel good, but that isn't difficult. And so that's like the perfect form of exercise, right? Mm-hmm. That's, it's funny. I'm actually working on a story right now about how walking became like a trendy workout again. And, you know, there's like the hashtag hot girl walk or whatever, but There's also been studios that have launched walking classes or hybrid walking classes. Um, Peloton has walking classes as well. Apple has time to walk. Um, I think since the pandemic, there's been this movement to re-embrace walking as something that goes beyond getting from point A to point B. And I've really tried to embrace that because I think it gets me out of my house. You know, I work from home. I'm here all day. So it's a nice way to just get outside, get some sun be active outside of my workout. And I don't know, then when my watch tells me you did another workout, I feel kind of accomplished. Yeah. For me, it's definitely like a longevity thing too. Like I, I just think there's, there's really good long-term longevity benefits to, to walking. Um, and you know, I don't know why the hot girl walk can't also be a hot boy walk. You know, we're, we're, (laughs) 
we're, we're out there too, you know, just trying to look our best. <laughs> it can be. You can make it a thing. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit more about this whole product review process. Uh, and, and you're definitely someone I wanted to talk to about this because of your long history reviewing products, your history reviewing so many different types of products. Um, what do you wish people knew about product reviews wherever they see them that you don't, you think that they probably don't know, like are, are products actually getting tested? Uh, are they all kind of similar or are they really differentiated? Like do reviewers really love every product that they test? You know, like there's all these questions. Let's, let's peek under the hood a little bit. I mean, I hope people are really testing them. I'm really testing them. <laughs> okay, um, good. <laughs> I don't, I won't pretend that I'm as good of a shoe reviewer as like the people that believe in the run or a tech reviewer like DC Rainmaker, you know, like these people have their niche and they go all in. So they are like super well-versed in the specs of a specific genre of products, right? I'm obviously a little broader in that I test a lot of things, but I am hundred percent testing them. You know, basically the way it works is if I, I try to pay attention to trends most of all. So for, we'll use the rings, for example, when I saw that there were multiple new rings coming to market, I was like, this is really interesting. This is, you know, something is happening here. Why are we seeing this now? Um, there was a story, but also I need to test all these to see how they stack up to each other. And I call each of the products in from the companies. And then I try to test them as equally as possible. So same amount of time in the case of the rings, same finger, um, same scenarios. Am I using them for running? Am I using them for 24 seven activity tracking? Am I using them for sleep? Whatever. And then I'm comparing all the data that I get from them. And then I'm also looking at the research that's available on a product like that, you know, has whatever new ring been studied in the same kind of lab settings as the aura ring has, how does the aura ring stack up to polysomnography? I think is how you say it, like the lab, you know, the lab tests that are the gold standard for standard for researchers. So those can be a little more intensive because you are looking at a lot more science there, something like a shoe. You're just running in it. You're just, is, does it feel good? You know, how, like what's changed, what's new about it. But I will say, I think people think that you are just running in it, but I think we talked about this the other day. There's a lot of cognitive load that goes into testing a product. So when I go out for a testing run in a shoe or a piece of apparel, shorts, sports bras, whatever, it's not the same kind of run as I'm doing for my general training. They might overlap to some extent, but the way I have to think about a product when I'm running is very different than from how I just go out for a run that's part of my marathon training or something like that. When I'm running in let's say a pair of sunglasses. I'm thinking about, are they blocking the sun? Are they comfortable behind my ears? Are they bouncing on my nose? What are they doing to the color contrast around me? Are they causing sweat on my cheeks or around my eyes? What other factors, you know, might be distracting me from the run or is there no distraction? That's great. That's a great piece of gear. So it's not as simple as just putting on a pair of shorts or a pair of shoes or whatever, and going out for a run and saying like, well, that felt good. I can write a nice review of this. There's a lot more going on internally during those processes. Would you say that uh, shoes and apparel might be a little bit easier to product review and test compared with some of the more tech oriented products, like some of those rings or a smartwatch, something like that? They are easier to test, but you're still thinking about all those things, right? I just tested um, the best running shorts and you're paying attention to how do they feel around your waist? Are they compressive enough? What is the storage capabilities? How, like, are they sagging when I load them up with gels or my keys? Do they fit my phone? Are they bunching between my legs? You know, does the fabric rub? Am I chafing anywhere? So you're still thinking about a lot of things. There's less research that goes into it. You're not looking at studies to confirm the accuracy of data or anything like that, but you are still thinking about a lot of different factors that could affect runners. One of the things that I love about new types of running gear and apparel, like things you would actually wear, is that it's becoming a lot more functional. You know, we were going for a run together on Global Running Day in Boulder, and 
I don't know. I mentioned something about a sports bra having like a pocket in the back for your phone. And I was joking that like, I'm just going to start wearing sports bras because I want a good place to store my phone when I'm out there running. And it's like the ideal position to put a phone on your body when you're out there running. And yeah, there, there needs to be a solution for, for men for that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel bad for you that you guys don't have that option. It was such a game changer for me the first time that I tried a sports bra with a pocket. I mean, I will never, ever go back to wearing a belt around my waist. I think that waist belts are great. And I think shorts that have pockets, you know, on the back where you can have your phone against kind of like your low back area, they're fine. I know a lot of people love them, but man, the sports bra... Like putting your phone back there and then not having to think about it, incredible. Yeah, I will I will be waiting for the male version at, at some point. So when you are when when a consumer is re- re- reviewing a review, when they are reading through a product review, what do you think is some of the most important information that they should be looking for based on the product? And maybe we can look at, you know, shoes, watches, and maybe uh, Ashley's pick for the third category. You know, what are the things that are really important for these types of products? And and how do we figure out, you know, as the consumer, what I should be paying attention to so that I can figure out what's best for me? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the first thing you have to keep in mind as a consumer is what are you using this product for? What are you hoping to get out of it? So if you're looking for a new running watch, let's say, your goals, your fitness goals and how you want to use it are going to play a big role in your purchase because you do not necessarily need all the bells and whistles in a lot of these watches, right? So if you're somebody who just wants to track daily activity, you just want the basics, you want to know your steps, you want to be able to track a workout, you know, maybe you want to track your sleep, you don't need the the $900, you know, extreme rugged outdoor watch. But if you're somebody who is, you know, an ultra endurance trail runner who, you know, is going to be out there for 20 plus hours, then maybe you do need those solar capabilities or, you know, the backcountry maps that load onto a watch. So that I think is the most important thing. And that goes for shoes too. Like if you're not running marathons, probably don't need a carbon plated super shoe that's meant to go long distance. Not saying you don't need carbon. You can find that in other shoes, but you might not need the $300, you know, Kipchoge racing shoe. So figuring out your use case, I think, is number one. And then this is not number two, but I think something else that is really important, especially when it comes to apparel and shoes, is your own comfort is key above everything. So it doesn't matter how functional, you know, or how hyped up a piece of gear is, if it doesn't work for you, as in it doesn't feel good on you, it distracts you, whatever. It's not for you. You know, you don't, I don't know. I think with shoes, especially people go for the really hyped shoes, but you have to go in and try it on. You can't, I mean, it may work for me, but your foot could be totally different. You don't know that until you try it on. So as helpful as reviews can be, I think you still have to do the work of showing up somewhere, trying it on, even if it means ordering it online and making sure you know the return policy. But you have to put it on your own feet or your own body before fully committing to a product. Yeah, I think one of the things I've learned about most types of running gear is that comfort is probably the number one most important aspect about it, especially when it comes to running shoes. You know, they're like, what shoes should I get? And this has a certain drop and all this stuff. And, you know, our recent episode with Matt Klein, he was really adamant about how just how the shoe feels on your foot is one of the most important data points that you can be collecting about a pair of shoes. So if you go to a running shoe store or anywhere else to buy your shoes, not only do you have to try it on, but you should probably, you know, jog on the treadmill or maybe do a lap around the block if the shoe store is any good and they let you run outside a little bit. And and that's really going to inform how you are are going to be like in relationship with that shoe and if it's going to work with you uh, or not. Um, Ashley, when you think about other types of products, let's say something like shorts or a shirt, 
what is the functional aspect of the review? Is it really just fit? Because obviously that cha- that is different person to person. So like, what are the more technical things you look for in non-technical products? Well, even non-technical products do have tech in them these days, right? So a performance running shirt is very different from a cotton t-shirt. And so it might have different capabilities like sweat wicking or other kinds of moisture management, um, lightweight, it could have sun protection, things like that. So when it comes to those kind of products, mostly apparel or you know hats, things like that, that's what you're looking at. Does it have anything special that's going to make you more protected or feel better on your run? But at the end of the day, it's like, is it not going to distract you from your run? That's the number one thing that I'm thinking of when I'm testing apparel. You know, are you going to chafe? Is it going to rub? Is it going to flap around you? Is it going to stick to your skin? Is it going to dig into you? You know, those things, they may not be technical, but I think they play a big role in how you feel when you're moving in those products. And so that is going to be different to everybody. But one of the trends that I'm seeing within media is reviews moving towards individuals and away from just a general magazine review. And so I think consumers can find the people they identify with. So whether that's, you know, Mike Coe with Kafuzi, his YouTube channel, or Wear Testers, or Believe in the Run, you know, all the people that make up those teams or individuals are very different. And so you find the person that you identify with and you're like, oh, I'm this fast of a runner and this body type. And so is this person. So maybe what works for them might work for me. I'm not saying it's like a, you know, apples to apples, but it can help you sift through some of the noise because there is so much content out there these days. Finding the people you identify with and the type of, and are similar types of runners to you might help you narrow down how you consume those reviews. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I I have rarely done product reviews. Uh, I've kind of left that to, you know, some of the experts, people who have a lot more experience doing this, like you and, and some of the folks that you listed. But on the occasions that I have reviewed products, I've done it from like the coach's perspective. You know, like, why would you want to use this product from a training perspective? How would your coach might recommend that you, you know, productively use this to aid your training? And I think it's that like little bit of nuance that makes the review a lot more impactful for the consumer because they're learning about it from an an important perspective, whether it's, you know, the way I do it rarely from a coach's perspective, or it's, you know, here's my running perspective on it. And I'm this type of runner or, you know, I'm a marathoner, I'm a woman, you know, whatever it is, I, I think that that unique perspective is going to lead the right person to the the right type of gear. Now, how do you, how do you judge whether a product is say effective or, or not very effective when, you know, maybe the, the result or the benefit is just a little subjective. And, And I'm thinking a lot about recovery tools, you know, things like, you know, a foam roller or a pair of compression boots or, you know, any kind of, supplements that we might take. Now, I actually really love all this stuff. I think if you have the means, I I love all the toys. You know, I've got some fancy foam rollers and compression boots. I love this stuff. But with that said, if you're reviewing something like that, at the end of the day, how are you able to say, yes, this works or no, this doesn't work? Or is there sort of a continuum that you you exist on? I don't think that reviewing is that black or white. I don't think there's always a yes, this works or no, this doesn't work. I think it's going to be really dependent on the reader, whether something works for them. Um, I generally moving away from like shoes and apparel, but especially with the tech stuff or recovery stuff, I always try to include the research in those reviews. You know, if we're, let's say we're talking about Norma tech boots, they feel great. There's really no negative to using them. I'll include the research that says this may help recovery, this may help circulation, whatever it may be. But I will always include the caveat of like, this isn't necessarily 100% proven for every single person, but there are also no downsides. So if it works for you and you have the money to spend, you do you, you know? And I think a lot of that side of reviewing comes down to if there's nothing bad, and you're interested and can afford it, go for it. If it makes you feel good. 
And especially when it comes to recovery stuff, um, I'm a big believer in the placebo effect. And if it makes you feel good to put on a pair of compression boots, you know, there's no nice, neat stat that says compression boots are going to boost your recovery by 50%. That doesn't exist. But if you feel like you're cutting a whole day off your recovery cycle, you know, from a hard run, that has mental benefits. So do it, you know, as long as you can afford it, they're not cheap. So I think it just, it comes down to the individual deciding whether something is worth it to them or not for a lot of those things that are not proven. Not that compression boots don't have benefits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, like I, with my compression boots, you know, I, I can't put a number on it. Oh, my recovery is 11% better today. Like that doesn't exist. But for a lot of these things, I, I do feel like number one, yes, you're right. The placebo effect is real. I'm pretty sure it's been backed by, by tons of studies showing that if you believe something is going to work for you, it's probably going to have a positive effect on you. Um, but I, I do feel like most of these things or at least compression boots with how we're talking about it now, I wake up feeling a little bit less heavy the next day, a little bit less, you know, that lethargic feeling when you're like, oh, wow, I I did a workout yesterday, or that was a long, hard run. I just feel like I could bounce back a little bit more from that. And whether that's all in my head or, you know, I maybe just got better sleep all those nights that I've used the compression boots, it's really hard to tell. But I, I also enjoy using it. And, and my whole perspective on things like that is if the mechanism that is at work has some science behind it, or you can just use some common sense, then I think there's some benefit there. So for example, compression boots do uh, impact your blood flow. So presumably that's going to impact your recovery in a good way because blood flow does help recovery. Now, could you spin on the bike, you know, for 30 minutes, super easy and get some blood flow in a very similar way? Probably. And the effect might be very, very similar or like going for that 15, 20 minute walk. Like we were talking about earlier, that might actually have a very similar effect of, you know, opening up your range of motion a little bit, getting that fresh blood flow in. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're sitting around your house at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, and you're watching TV is it easier to put on the recovery boots or is it easier to leave your house? And, you know, maybe you have your kids sleeping or something. Maybe you can't leave. Is it easier just to put on the, the boots? So I look at it in that way too. Like, is this a more convenient solution to something that might be free or low cost, but is way more inconvenient? Yeah. I think it comes down to, are you really hacking your recovery or your health with some of these products? Probably not. But is it more convenient than other things you might do? It might be. And if that's the case for you, then absolutely invest in that. I was going to say too, I think Super Shoes is another example of um, what we're talking about. You know, studies show that the benefits are totally varied depending on your pace. You know, you might get a 4% or even higher boost if you're a faster runner. But if you run at a slower pace, you could be getting less than a 1% boost in an actual race. However, 100% of people who have raced in super shoes say that they believe that they helped their performance. And that belief, I think, is really important. If you believe that the shoes are helping you and make you feel better throughout, let's say, a marathon, because that's what I mostly do, of course you should get those. And if you also believe that they don't beat up your body as much as a regular pair of shoes and you feel better running your long runs training in them and like you can get back to your regular or your, you know, let's say you do your long run on Saturday and you feel better on Monday because you wore super shoes on Saturday. Yes. Wear the super shoes. It's all about feeling good and also having fun with it. If this stuff is fun to you, go for it. Yeah. This stuff is so fun for me. I wish I could just go (laughs) for it with all these, these crazy products that are out there right now, because I think I would just have so much fun. I, I think my dream is to have like a giant garage with no cars in it, but it's just outfit like kind of like a gym, but also just like a recovery spa. And I would just have friends over to use recovery tools and and record podcasts. It would just be like my dream job. (laughs) Yes. I think that's like the most fun. If you can do that, you know, I obviously get a lot of these things for free through work to test. And I would not 
recommend that everybody buy every single product out there just for fun because they are not all cheap. But if there are things that you like and that make you feel good and you can afford them, then it's not hurting anyone, including yourself, for you to invest in those. And, you know, there, there are products that I'm trying to think of a good example. Like I tried one of those hydration sensors, the stick on, you know, you put it here and it tracks your sweat rate. And there, I think the science is not quite there yet. They're still working on the accuracy of those things, but it was an interesting learning experience. And it did help me change the way I thought about taking in electrolytes throughout the day. Was it perfect? Was it equivalent to a lab test, a lab sweat test? Absolutely not. But I learned and, you know, it wasn't that much money. So would I recommend it to certain people? Yes. Not everybody because it still is, a, you know, it's not cheap. It's a couple hundred dollars. But I think if somebody was really looking to get some more information on that part of fueling, yeah. I also look at it too as like, you know, we all need running shoes as runners, obviously, to, to participate in the sport. So if there is something that you're interested in and it's less than a pair of running shoes, it might be worth it for you to experiment with because any learning about yourself, how you um, interact with the sport, I think is a very valuable investment in your own self-knowledge because it's going to allow you to make better, wiser decisions about your training. And as we know, that ultimately leads to you becoming a better runner. So from, you know, I put on my coach's hat. I'm like, yes, learn about yourself, learn all about how, you know, you sweat in hot conditions, how your feet feel in these shoes, how you feel after compression boots, because after a lot of that experimentation, you're ultimately going to know yourself better and likely be a much better runner. Um, Ashley, what, what is a product that you haven't reviewed yet that you would really like to, are there any like dream products out there that, you know, you've been eyeing for a little while? Oh, that's a good question too. I don't know. I feel like all the stuff I've been interested in recently, I've been working on stories about, so I've been lucky enough to get those in. Um, I did see a story the other day about body scanners that I'm intrigued to learn more about. Um, Wait a minute. It's almost home <laughs> body scanner, like a, like a DEXA scan. No, it wouldn't be something you buy for yourself. It's more like a procedure. You know, you would go to a, some kind of facility again, haven't researched this yet, but they're full body scans that can look at different health elements like an MRI, but not an MRI. So again, haven't dug into this at all. Haven't even read the whole article yet. Cause it's behind some kind of paywall. I got to figure out. But um, I don't know, that intrigues me because it goes into that whole like body hacking, you know, self-optimization, which I am fascinated by, although I'm not a, what's the word? Like, I'm not Dave Asprey, you know, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to extend my life at this point, but I'm interested in the science behind it and the accuracy of it and whether it will become a bigger thing that people start doing regularly. because. To your point about DEXA scans, you know, these things are becoming more common. Things like inside tracker or uh, the levels glucose sen uh, sensor. Those kind of things are bringing previously less accessible science to your home. So now you can do a blood test from your own home and get all this information that you would have had to rely on your doctor for. Now you can do it whenever you want. And so I'm intrigued by other types of technology trying to do that. And make those things more accessible. Anytime anything pops up, I'm like, hello, here's my email. Let's walk. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Cause it's it's almost like taking the learning aspect about yourself to a whole new level where you are scanning your entire body and, and you have the potential to learn a lot of different things. Um, one of the reasons why I love Inside Tracker is because, you know, it tests for so many different things and you're actually getting some real objective data about your body. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I would probably love to have a home sauna. Mm. I would love to review and test a, a home sauna if I had the space for it. I, I think you need a big backyard for one of those things. Yeah. Those like barrel ones, you know, the like circle type and you just like go sit in it and then you can do your ice plunge, you know, 
right next door to it. And, and it's very on brand for Colorado, right, Ashley? I mean, it's it's like sort of like this, you know, mountain retreat vibe to those barrel saunas. I just think it would be very on brand. Oh, I've definitely done that in somebody's backyard once before, twice before. <laughs> um, I would also be really interested in a continuous glucose monitor. Those I have, I've tried, um, <laughs> I've tried the levels glucose monitor. Um, I didn't really know what to do with the information. So I think the difference, and this was like probably a year and a half, maybe even two years ago at this point. Um, and I haven't tried any other CGMs since then. I think that it's very cool, but what they needed to do in my opinion was something closer to what inside tracker does, which when you get your inside tracker results in the app, you get really actionable advice on what to do with that. So when I did inside tracker, it was like, Hey, your B12 is low. You should eat X, Y, Z. And you know, that will help improve those levels. And I was like, great, I can do that. And so I started doing that. Whereas with levels, it was giving me a lot of information, but I didn't know what to do with that information. And so I did not continue using it because I was like, I don't, I'm not getting what I need out of this. That said, it did prompt me to start working with a nutritionist, which is probably what I really needed all along. So again, that learning journey comes into play where it's like, okay, I learned some things. I don't know what to do with that information. So let me find somebody who can help me figure out what to do with that information. That's fascinating to me because you essentially tested a product, revealed to yourself that you didn't actually need it or it wasn't helpful for you. You you weren't sure how to use it. But nevertheless, it put you on this path where you're now making better decisions for yourself, health, healthier decisions for yourself. And it's all because you just got a little bit of this extra data and then got curious about it. So you reached out to a nutritionist. I think that way of thinking about products is really helpful because it's not necessarily, is this thing going to be, you know, the magic cure all for all of my ills? Instead, is it, is this product going to set me on the right path? to achieving my goals. Maybe I don't use this, but it opens up this door over here and I can go down there and meet this nutritionist. And next thing you know, you're reaching all your goals. It wasn't from the CGM, but it was sort of because of the CGM. Yeah. I think a lot of these tools, I just wrote about this um, for women's running. A lot of these different health tracking tools can really just help you with awareness, right? they're more accessible than ever, which allows people to do them more often or for the first time, maybe. And when you're able to do that, you're taking a step towards being in charge of your own health journey, right? Or your own fitness journey, whatever it is, it's all tied together, health, fitness, performance. And I think that being able to do that on your own terms and not necessarily waiting for a doctor to order a blood panel or for a coach to tell you, Hey, like something might be off here. You're able to take charge of that journey. And that I think can help in the long term. you know, like we're all aimed at longevity here, right? We want to live as long as possible and we want to feel good during that time. And so if you're taking charge of your health from as early as possible, that just gives you better odds in the long run. Yeah, I like that. I like this this idea of a lot of these tools and products do help you take more control over your health journey, your training, your running. Um, and, and then I would say maybe the flip side to that is maybe consider having some type of person on the other end help you go through the data. Maybe just once. You know, maybe you hire a nutritionist for like a one hour session to review your inside tracker results, or you take those results to your doctor, or you hire a coach for again, maybe a just a 45 minute coaching call just to be like, Hey, I'm having these issues. I've tried ABC. What do you think? And then you can just have this open conversation to interpret the data and all those other things that, that you have from these devices and tools, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's really important to remember that these tools are not diagnostic and they lack nuance, right? They're they're just objectively recording your data. And so if you don't know how to interpret that data, if you don't know what all those numbers mean or what those levels mean, are they optimal or not, you absolutely have to start with an expert. So if you do 
an inside tracker test, definitely bring that to your doctor before you make any changes on your own. You know, if you're doing, I'm trying to think like a good fitness one. If you're using whoop and you're never recovering, talk to a coach about what could be going on there or talk to a doctor. I did that when I first started using, um, actually not when I first started using, but when I moved to Colorado and my Garmin all of a sudden was like, your resting heart rate is so high. Like what's wrong with you? I went to a doctor and I was like, my watch says I'm dying. And she was like, no, you're just not adjusted to altitude yet. And I was like, are you sure? Cause I think I'm dying. I was like, no, you're fine. <laughs> but, um, I think you don't want to be so obsessive over any information that these devices are giving you, but starting off with the appropriate expert to help you interpret that data is so, so, so important to using it correctly and in a healthy way. And uh, I think a lot of these devices are hoping to incorporate that in there. Like I know um, some of the health tracking ones allow you to export the data so you can easily share it with your doctor because then they get all your stats recorded, you know, 24 seven for whatever length of time. And they can look at it and be like, okay, everything's great. Or, Hey, there's some weird trends happening here. You know, you should come in and we can talk about this. You know, the other way that these devices are sort of building in the expert is by using an algorithm as like a coach to tell you, Hey, you're not going to be recovered for X number of hours or your readiness score for a certain workout is ABC. What do you think about all of those different algorithmic suggestions that are now becoming almost standard in a lot of these pieces of technology? Because, you know, in my personal experience and in my coaching experience, they're not great, but you've tested more of them than I have. So I'm curious what you think. No, I would agree with you. I think an algorithm is an algorithm. It's not an expert, you know? So my favorite example is my Garmin telling me I'm unproductive after an 18 mile run in marathon training. I mean, I think <laughs> I spent like literally three days out of an entire marathon training cycle in a productive status while training for a marathon that I PR'd. Like every coach would have been like, yeah, no, your training is going fine. Like maybe you're a little run down, you know, that's okay. But like unproductive, I don't know. Um, I think the important thing to remember with algorithms is it's a, it's a supercomputer, right? On your wrist. It's using the data that it can record, which may or may not be accurate. We don't hundred percent know that yet. So like heart rate is a great example because that's what most of these algorithms are using to determine the advice they're giving you. Heart rate is hard to record on skin, on colored skin. It's harder to record in the cold. It's harder to record when you're moving fast. So all of those things can be messing with that data, which is then being used to give you all this other advice. So I think I don't use or listen to a lot of those, you know, training statuses or, you know, coach recommendations within a device. I use the device to record my data. And then I use a real coach to, you know, do what we will with that data. I think um, daily step count is a really great example of that. So 10,000 steps a day is a totally arbitrary number. There has been so much research that that has come out recently that shows 8,000 steps or maybe 7,000 steps, or really it's only 4,500 steps, but actually maybe it's 11,000 steps. So 10,000 is just a number that was decided on by these companies based on, you know, I'm sure some kind of research at that point, but then it became so widely accepted that, you know, now people you have them pacing around their apartment trying to hit 10,000 steps in a day when in actuality, you know, it's consistent movement throughout the day. And that may be 6,000 steps. It may be 11,000 steps, whatever, but hitting that one specific number that a device tells you is not the move. Yeah. I've been reading about step count a little bit. And, and while on the one hand, you know, I think I was reading Dan Bittner's Blue Zones or, or one of an article he wrote as a follow-up to that, where he was saying, you know, in a lot of these, you know, quote unquote, Blue Zones around the world, the step count might actually be closer to 15,000, but it, it's not necessarily the value of the steps. It's the value of the whole lifestyle that those steps sort of represent it's just an active lifestyle. They're doing things. And these are not the people who are doing laps around the island in their kitchen because, you know, at 10 p.m., they notice their steps are at 9,700. And oh man, they got to get to 10,000 for the day. 
it just doesn't really work like that. Uh, but then there's also some interesting data, like you were mentioning, that you know six to eight thousand is actually just fine, especially for older people. You know, you don't need an eighty year old trying to walk fifteen thousand steps a day every day. So I appreciate the nuance and, and sort of again thinking about this data in a holistic way and not getting so married to any one metric that you become overly obsessed with it. That that I think is super important. Yeah, I think it's su- they can be such great tools, as we talked about, to help you learn about yourself and you know areas of your life that could use improvement, maybe or just help or some change, whatever. But when you become obsessive over the data, which I have 100% been there. I mean, I I was the person going for walks at 11 o'clock at night in order to hit my step count or like shaking my wrist in order to get that final stand hour on my Apple watch. It's not, that's not a good place to be in. It takes the joy out of movement. And I think if that's where you're at with it, you need to like re-examine your habits and whether you actually need these devices, because I promise you it's not doing anything good for you if you're that obsessive. You know, Ashley, one of the things I'm learning from you in this conversation, you've said it now twice, is that you don't want anything to take the joy out of running for you. And you also just want to make running fun. And, and I think I, I think maybe this is a good place to wrap because, you know, no matter what product we're talking about, whether it's a pair of shorts or, you know, me wearing a sports bra because it's the only place I can put my phone <laughs> or anything like that, it, it needs to help you. It needs to bring you joy. It needs to make running fun because I think we both can acknowledge running can be difficult. Running can be very challenging. It is not the most thrilling sport to participate in. I say that as someone who's absolutely in love with the sport. And I think whenever we can, you know, find that pair of one inch split leg running shorts that just light up your face or those ridiculous pairs of giant sunglasses that you like to wear, whatever it is, do it because it lights you up. And that is going to make your approach to the sport a lot more productive. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. I think at the end of the day, if you're not getting paid for this, as in you're not, you know, landing on the podium at a race, you're not, you know, getting a sponsor fee just for showing up, you're a hobby jogger and that's okay. This is fun. This should be fun. You can take it really seriously and it can still be fun or you can not take it seriously at all. There's a whole spectrum of enjoying this sport and what that looks like for different people. That can you can run really fast, you can run really slow, you can race all the time, you can never race. Whatever it is, this should be something that brings good things into your life. And if wearing a really cool pair of sunglasses makes you feel like a badass and look awesome on a race course, then like buy the $300 sunglasses. <laughs> if you think that the shoes are going to make you run faster, wear the shoes. I mean, maybe don't wear them to the supermarket because somebody's going to make fun of you, but whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to judge you. I love it. I love it. All right, Ashley, one more question for you. Someone is going to gift you whatever running, fitness, health, toy, gadget, or piece of gear that you want. You've got no limits. What do you want? That I don't already have? I know. It's like, what do you get the person who has everything, right? I want a new house where I can fit all my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, what I would love, my my dream, you know, we're talking about having a garage where everybody can come over and hang out and all your recovery stuff and fitness stuff and whatnot. I want that too. What I also want is a custom shoe closet. Something that's like totally tricked out where you can, I mean, it may not even be a closet, maybe a whole room, but where you can see all the shoes that I have and I can easily access every single pair, whether, you know, it's the, the, trail runners that I hide up at the top of the closet because I never really use them or, you know, the race shoes that stay in their packaging. I just want a space for all of that. So, you know, if you have any like home decor sponsors who want to redo my closet whenever I buy a bigger house, I'm in. How many pairs of shoes do you have, Ashley? Because I I know it's more than like the five pairs of running shoes that I own right now. (laughs) Uh, I think we're over 70 at the moment. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, we actually, it could be a lot higher than that. Cause I'm currently testing trail shoes and you can't see the 15 pairs of shoes underneath this thing behind me. So 
there's a lot. I do try, you know, when there are ones that don't work for me, um, or, you know, I have multiple pairs and just don't need all of them, I will pass them along to friends. So, you know, I try to have as many leave my house that come in, but every time I give them away, I come home to like three new shoe boxes and I'm just like, God, I need a bigger house. That is the problem to have as a runner. So yeah, it's not <laughs> Ashley, bad. I'm not <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not the worst problem to have. Um, Ashley, thank you. This, this was really fun to talk about the whole product review process, how we more productively think about what we're putting on our body, what we're using to aid and hopefully improve our running. Uh, you write pretty regularly about different types of products in your newsletter, The Rundown. I'm a subscriber to it. I think it's wonderful. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. So I definitely suggest our listeners go and subscribe to The Rundown. But is there anywhere else that you want to point folks to to follow along with your product and running adventures in the coming months? Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the best place for products in the short term. Anytime I'm getting something and testing it, I'm generally posting it on stories. Just, you know, it's fun to put new things on and share them with everybody and keep them updated on how things go as I try them out. Awesome. Links are in the show notes on Strength Running. Ashley Mateo, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that concludes my conversation with Ashley Mateo. Pay it forward and share this episode with your fellow runners and make sure you're actually subscribed on whatever platform you're listening. You should also check out Ashley's newsletter at ashleymateo.substack.com. All right, keep the podcast going by supporting our partners. They're offering you some great deals like BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. I've been speaking much more openly about my own mental health struggles last year after my divorce. And while running was certainly an outlet, it could never replace actual therapy to help me process everything I was going through at the time. We all know that stress is stress, and the body can only tolerate so much of it. If you're struggling with any kind of mental health issue right now, it's certainly impacting your running, and I want you to be not only physically healthy, but psychologically healthy as well. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and your preferences in therapy, and that way BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from the network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. And if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. I am still going to therapy every week myself, and I find it to be invaluable at helping me be more mindful, clear on my goals and boundaries, and more psychologically healthy as I navigate the ups and downs of life. It's like coaching for your emotions, relationship skills, and mindset. See for yourself if therapy is right for you with your own therapist, and you might just make your running a lot more manageable. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Jason F. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Jason F for 10% off your first month. Next, you don't want to miss my favorite greens superfood mix, AG1. I am a man of convenience, and comprehensive daily nutrition is super simple with AG1. Now, I personally struggle with eating the perfectly healthy diet that I know I should. What can I say? Convenience foods just speak my love language. So I'm finding AG1 to be really helpful to fill in all the holes in my diet. One scoop is going to give me 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a green superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet, because there certainly are plenty of gaps, and it just gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. Now, I've got three kids, and I know I've got to support my immune system because I'm no match for little kid germs. But what I really love about AG1 is that the formula changes. Over the last decade, they've made over 50 different improvements to the AG1 formula 
based on the latest research to make all those nutrients more absorbable and more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. Go to drinkag1.com slash Jason to see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You'll get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment or you can get a monthly subscription if you want to make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. This is my daily go-to and I certainly wouldn't don't travel without it. And especially if I know I'm going to be sleeping not quite as well as I do at home. I want to make sure that my body is getting what it needs to operate well and AG1 delivers. Go to drinkag1.com slash Jason to sign up today. All right, that's our show, my friends. Thank you for the support, all your reviews and your feedback. If you have any questions, feel free to get in touch. Until next time.